Hello everyone and welcome to the Final Third Podcast, a podcast created to bring you the most candid coverage of Austin FC, FC Dallas, and the Houston Dynamo, all in one place. My name is Silvio Prieto and on today's show, myself, co-host Oscar Aguilar and Javier Adame recap week two of the MLS, where Austin FC turned the burnt orange city verde with their first ever franchise win. Guys, we had a historic week two of the MLS season, but uh, before we dive into the games and all the analysis, how are you guys doing today and are you guys ready to chat some MLS? All I know is pain. Thank you. And that okay, is well, we're going to start off like that, are we? <laughs> it, it is a great day uh, <laughs> after Austin for FC some. got their first win and the other Oh yeah, def- <laughs> and the definitely other for some. going to come away with their results. Um, you know, I would say today's a good day to be an Austin FC fan. Oh, 100%. Oscar? I honestly, the only upside to last weekend is that my season tickets might go down. So <laughs> we're getting affordable here. We're, we're doing the budget buys. True, but I mean, the performance was a little better than, than the results suggest. But anyways, before we get ahead of ourselves there, we have a lot to talk about in this episode. So... Let's get into it and start with Los Verdes. We watched Austin FC pick up three points for the first time in franchise history against the Colorado Rapids, 3-1. to one. And despite the new expansion team looking a little unconvincing in the first half, uh, they really turned things around in the second half. Javi, of course, as our Austin FC fan on the pod, how did the game treat you? Well, like you said, it seemed like it was a game of two halves. Because um, for most of that first half, I found myself getting very worried and stressed because yeah. I was thinking this was going to be an easier game than their first one and that they were going to take advantage, you know, hold more of the possession like I, I had predicted last week. But it seemed like they were having, they were they were making some of the same mistakes that they made in the first game, even though they weren't getting pressed as much i found them losing the ball a little too many times in their own third um which was giving uh colorado you know some good chances and and it had resulted in one of their goals even though it was from a set piece but yeah i all started from a mistake on that backside so and the, so that first half you know i was pretty nervous when i saw that we we're going into halftime you know one zero i thought it was going to be a little easier game but they did, you know, they did have to make some lineup changes. Mm-hmm. They did start off the game without Pochettino uh, for reasons yeah. uh, we don't know yet. We just know that it has to do with something with his registration. Um, mm-hmm. So they're without Pochettino. Mm-hmm. They're without Matt Bessler, who was celebrating right. the birth of his son. Right. So they don't right. have their veteran center back. And right. then they had, a, they had a change at the front three with uh, Stroud getting the start. Uh, right mm-hmm. wing over Ronnie Redis. Um, but like I was saying, in the second half, it seemed like a completely different team that had been out there in the first half. The second half, you saw a team that was a little more patient, you know, with the ball, a team that, you know, was, wasn't trying to force as much, and they came out kind of pressing together. And I think when... Well, whatever whatever the coach had said at halftime really sparked 
some intensity into them because when they got to being able to press Colorado, and I don't think Colorado thought that they would be able to hold that intensity for as long as they did. I think teams underestimate um, how 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 much stamina these guys have. I'm I'm assuming that that they didn't think they were going to be able to hold it for the second yeah, half and, because and in altitude too. That's also important to remember. They were playing at Colorado, and as uh, you know, some of us. Uh, or most people know that in, during uh, cardio intensive activities, altitude makes a big difference. A hundred percent. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm, I'm thinking here that, you know, they didn't expect the Austin FC team to come out like that and uh, to come out with, with a different footing, but they did. Mm-hmm. And that resulted in some goals. And we saw, you know, I, I don't quite remember what I predicted last week, but I'm pretty sure I said three one. But uh, yeah, I think you did. I did. I did say that it was going to be Pochettino being man of the match. Yeah. Um. Obviously, he didn't get the start. Mm-hmm. But Dominguez did score. <laughs> That's right, free Pochettino from whatever happened with him. Hashtag free, free Pochettino. Like yeah, and it's a, it's a little weird because he had to miss the game because of, um, I think as they put it, administrative issues regarding his registration. But we haven't really heard much about that situation other than the club's like vague statement, like a couple minutes into the game or something. Yeah, it's weird because, yeah, like you said, they haven't really gone any more in depth than the statement they put out that we all saw. Yeah, um, on social a, media, on the Twitter, on the Facebook. That and was stuff a like little that. weird. And and before I'm kind of gonna go on a tangent here, um, but before we focus back on Austin FC, but it's kind of funny yeah. how the MLS was so quick to point this out, and Oscar during the game goes, it took them a whole season, uh, to sort out the, the Blaze Matuidi situation, but it took them what a matter of a couple of weeks for the Pochettino situation. And you know what they're gonna say, right? They're gonna say, oh well. You know, we had the inter Miami thing, so now we got to be <laughs> yeah. more, more diligent yeah. about the work we're doing. But yeah, yeah, no, it, it, it was a little weird. But yeah, anyways, uh, getting back on track, you were saying, yeah, yeah. So you know, they they came out with a better intensity, better uh, work rates, and everyone everyone started playing together, and mm-hmm. that and that that turned into some goals. And Dominguez putting two of his own, but it all started with Fagundes putting the first goal. Yeah. Uh, in the net for Austin FC, the guy who was who was put in to replace Pochettino in right. that midfield in that midfield midfield spot, and he did play a key uh, a key role in that second goal uh, for Austin FC, where you saw <laughs> yeah. you saw Dominguez press. You know they were pressing it because it all started it all started when the Colorado was gonna pass the ball at the back, right? Mm-hmm. Goalkeeper passes it to the center back. Uh, they start they go to their left side. Colorado goes to their left side, and then they start working it to the right. As they work it to the to the foot to the center back to the right center back, Dominguez follows him to the corner, kind of kind of near that corner flag area. Um, and I'm guessing he knows that Fagundes is going to come behind him mm-hmm. to press. So he so you know he so knowing that he's like okay, let me pressure this hard and let me pressure it to where I'm going to force him outside to make that outside pass where I know Fagundes is going to be get, getting that guy. So when he forces that guy to make that pass. And he makes pass. Fagundes is already there. He's already ready to press uh, press him. Mm-hmm. So when he press, when Fagundes presses him from the center of the field, and he's coming at him, and it's at the sideline, the guy probably looks down down the line once because he he has to make that pass. Yeah. He can't go to the center because Fagundes yeah. is there. But 
maybe he sees that he's marked by the fullback. So now he's he has to take a second to figure out, okay, now what do I do? But in that second, Fagundes takes it away. Yep. That that little press works, and then they're able to go to goal from there. So I would say that even though Dominguez, you know, did finish it, someone had to be able to finish it. Yeah. It all started with Fagundes pressing and them mm-hmm. all pressing together. So it was, it was a good team goal. I would mm-hmm. say. Agreed. Mm-hmm. My man of the match. No doubt. Yeah. No Fagundes tied up the game in what, the 59th minute, I think? And important mm-hmm. to note, he did cement himself in the history books as scoring Austin FC's first ever goal. So that's pretty important, too. Yeah. But like when you. Mm-hmm. What's oh, that uh, well, I was going to finish it off by saying, like, uh, like the whole match thing, just saying, like, yeah. Like Austin FC came away with a three-one win, and they didn't even have Pochettino and and Bessler. Yeah, and, and oh, those are two start like for yeah. two starters for sure. Even though Fagundes might have you know kind of put some competition in that midfield three with the performance mm-hmm. he had out there, mm-hmm. but it, mm-hmm. and it, quickly, it's a it's a good result to take away. Yeah, no, hundred percent. And quickly before we we keep talking about Austin FC, I think it's. Uh, it's important to note here that they did have an injury to their left back. Ben Sweat, the 29-year-old American defender, did tear his ACL in the left knee. And according to the club, surgery is expected to be scheduled in the coming weeks. So that's a that's a tough loss there for Austin FC. I, a quick, quick, when I had saw that injury, mm-hmm. when I, I was actually, I was watching it um, at a restaurant and uh-huh. uh, I was watching with my girlfriend. And she saw it too, and she's had that uh, an injury like that. And yeah. she kind of the way I saw her, you know, kind of flinch at it when she saw it. She kind of knew, oh, it yeah, might be that, something. At first, it was serious. a little weird because it, it looked like maybe Barrios fouled him, but it was really on his other foot, like his his planting foot. Uh, that yeah. really it kind of it kind of buckled the wrong way, sort of speak. Uh, but you can tell right away the way he went to the ground, and it was like very minimal contact you could tell that that something was 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 wrong just, yeah it was no wrong. yeah it was it was bad and um it, i guess the club waited till monday or tuesday i guess uh, which is today i'm losing track of the days but yeah they waited till tuesday to release release the news and i think it was like in the afternoon or so uh but yeah but anyways um uh that's a that's a tough loss for austin fc but uh, i think like you pointed out Hoffy, we were talking a little bit before we started the podcast. The left back that they brought in uh, played the role that Alex, Alex, or um, uh, sorry, uh, uh, Wolf likes to likes, oh, yeah, to, likes to play for his left yeah. back. His left back is, uh, as we've seen, like from the average position from the last two games, uh, seems to be a little higher up than the than the fullback on the other side. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, like like you're saying, you could see that. I think. Looking, watching it, watching the game, you could see that Komanich is a pretty good distributor and crosser of the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, he was able to, you know, like you said, Wolf want, wants to play a very attacking style brand of football. So he's going to want his fullbacks to press up. Um, so I think he was able to fill that role um, pretty well. But you did point out that, and, and I was actually looked at this too when I compared this game to the last game. We saw that the left back was pressed up high, a, a little bit higher. Komonach was a little bit higher this game, um, maybe because he's just—I guess he's not used to uh, uh, like 
going back or or he uh, maybe he didn't maybe he didn't uh watch how sweat was playing but there was times where he would be too far up and you leave your uh your other center back the one who had mm-hmm. to come in and replace replace uh, uh Bessler mm-hmm. leave him kind of stranded there on the island because yeah. when when they when they when they press up like that you essentially you're essentially attacking with like six guys you have your fullbacks two of the mids and then you're three up front so your yeah. guys in the back end are going to be Ring, Cascante, and Romagna. And Cascante was the one that had to come in for Bessler um, because obviously he was um, he, he was celebrating the birth of his son. So mm-hmm. um, Cascante, it being his uh, first start, probably trying to, probably nervous that he's being left on this island every time Coma is pushing up. So yeah. you kind of leave him vulnerable back there. Yeah. So um, that, it, it wasn't, he, he wasn't. Um, it was. It probably was a. He probably shouldn't have pushed up as high as he should have. Maybe it should have mm-hmm. been. Maybe I should have been pushing more on the right side. But maybe they're pushing up on that left side because they're more. They want to just. They want to give the the ball to Dominguez. Yeah. Because they know that they, that he has the quality, he, more quality than Stroud has to offer. Yeah, a hundred percent. That was kind of one thing that uh, while Oscar and I was. Uh, watching it together was. Um, of course, Celia uh, Dominguez slotted in two goals, which made him end of the match and earned him a, and actually earned him a spot in, I think, uh, the team of the week for the MLS. But uh, during the game, specifically the first half, um, Oscar uh, was talking to me about this and noted that maybe Joshua should move uh, him into the middle of the pitch or at least have him as like an inverted winger because of how dangerous he kind of showed to be in the final third. And that's exactly what we saw happen. We saw three out of his four shots taken from a more inverted role, including his two goals. And um, in this match, I think Dominguez quality was kind of the solution or a solution to their lack of chance conversion uh, that they struggled with in the first or uh, last week. Yeah. Yeah, And I mean, I think one thing you should call out here since we're talking about conversion rates Mm -hmm. is that, um, I'm a little worried about Austin FC's, I guess, tacti- tactical plan mm-hmm. to give everyone, I guess, some general knowledge on how things are progressing or how the teams are doing. Uh, when you look at crosses, right, mm-hmm. just the total mm-hmm. amount, um, Austin has 27 crosses this season. That's the fifth highest in the league, right? But when you look at the aerial challenges they actually win um, on a game-by-game basis, they're at 45%. That's 17th in the league. So they're being really wasteful, even though they're a... Well, in the first game, we saw them be very high quality. But in the second game, especially in the first half, they were were crossing it with one striker and three center backs or like three defenders around them. Kind of what I called it, like crossing without purpose or like an idea, really. It, It was just a waste of possession. Yeah. And another thing, since Javi mentioned it as well, how they like to go or press up so high. I mean, Austin FC, if you look at like presses in the attacking third, um, they're near the top of mm-hmm. the league as well at 140. And in comparison to Dallas, they have 89. In comparison to Houston, they have 78. And you see that same trend when you look at the middle third and you look at the defensive third. And then when you look at just uh, overall pressing in general, but when you look at like what they actually get out of those presses, 
it's not that much significantly higher than these other teams. Mm -hmm. So I think they could be smarter about the way they play at a high tempo, uh, I guess, tactic Mm -hmm. uh, to minimize what we saw, I guess, mostly in the first game where they were, they kept getting caught off guard. Mm -hmm. And and just to point out, right. And I think this is kind of one of the things that uh, I took away from the game, um, obviously other than the result and the historic moment for the club, but one of the things that they still need to improve, right? Of course, we talked about their left, I guess, not even a fullback, I guess a wingback because how high he is in Wolf's current system, pushes up um, high with his average position being like past the midfield line and really didn't have like the work rate to cover the space left behind him. And like Javi noted, Cascante, the center back who was, I guess, tasked to cover that space. One, does not have the player profile to cover that space. And two, he was kind of left stranded by the other two center backs who were shifted more on the right. And I, uh, like you like you pointed out, like Colorado took note of this weakness, right, with the pressing and all, and this space was just completely exploited. I mean, 41% of their attack came from that right side using Barrios' pace. Um, and we saw that uh, throughout the game. And that's exactly how Austin conceded the the Colorado corner, which eventually ended up being a set piece for, for the Rapids and uh, or a corner for the Rapids where they scored their first goal. So um, like you said, that's first of all, that's also a problem in terms of pressing because they gave up that space for Colorado. Um, but quickly, just to kind of end my point here um, before we go back to you, Oscar. So I think a solution to this issue, right, uh, besides the, the pressing, which obviously, as you're pointing out, needs uh, a better like... Um, system or efficient efficiency in terms of pressing like a new type of pressing system but also shifting the back line to support the wing back that is pushed higher up in the pitch I mean it's kind of a simple thing but you're kind of uh, yeah so you need to shift those so center backs and essentially you kind of just leave uh leaving them with the front three and then ring ahead of them um on top of that other than shifting I guess Wolf could try to, you know, give Alex Ring a deeper defensive role during possession loss or when out of possession. Uh, but again, you kind of risk losing one of the better pressing players in the midfield uh, who understands how to how to uh, cut passing lanes. Yeah, for sure. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. To 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 make a point at uh, going back to the. Uh, Cecilio Dominguez and mm-hmm. kind of how his role is. Mm-hmm. Uh, an example of this that we can see uh, how he is being used in that or how he's flourishing in that inverted mm-hmm. winger role is um, in the, on the first goal, actually, because yeah. it's created um, the ball. He it, it comes to the... You can see Sosilo Dominguez coming, running from that, from the edge, from the left side, from the mm-hmm. from the out, out of bounds line, and he's running in. He's running in, and he's running so far in that he actually ends up getting the ball in front of Hosen, mm-hmm. and then he takes that ball from the center of the pitch, and then he's he runs right actually, and then he distributes it to the full to the right full the right wing back over there. So, and then the defenders see this, probably see Dominguez like, oh, he's He's coming center, so I need to cover him. And then as he's doing that, you see Fagundes kind of fill in the space that he's vacated, that he's voided, that left area. So then that so then he's able to be at the back post 
while someone's already up there trying to cover Dominguez. So that's why it seemed like he was kind of open back there. Maybe the defenders seemed like they were being confused that, you know, how why is Cecilia Dominguez all the way kind of at the front post when the cross is coming in or in the center when he should be kind of coming in from the back post. But it's because he made that run and he gets the ball from the left and then he and then when he gets the ball he's already at the center of the field mm-hmm. in front of Hosen. Mm-hmm. And then he's it's so I think uh Oscar's idea or like or like suggestion that they should move Dominguez in that center wall, it would be I think it would be great to see him. Cause I feel like they need someone who kind of wants to who 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 will drop a little deeper and get the ball. And then their two, the two wingers on the outside, they can play that inverted role, but then they could kind of be getting distributed balls from Dominguez if he wants to play the pass yeah. to them. I think Hosen's positioning, it seems like he's always like so far up. Like mm-hmm. rarely did I see him kind of come down and try to get the ball. Um, and I guess because it maybe it's because they want him to be up there if they like play the long ball or like if they give up, um, if they give back possession, they want him to press. They want him to be up there to press, but. I think uh, I think Dominguez would be the putting Dominguez at that center striker spot would be a would be a good idea, and then probably probably putting uh, Mane on the left side. Uh, try to give that give that a go. Yeah, like, especially does. against Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Uh, Minnesota FC they they haven't gotten the win yet. They've drawn one and lost one. I think they lost actually twice, but it'd be an easier opponent. Um, because it seems like Hosens is not like getting the touches that we mm-hmm. need in a in a striker. Mm-hmm. Oscar, I think you meant to say uh, Gallagher, you know, but Gallagher. Mm-hmm. Because they gotta put my boy in. <laughs> they gotta put my boy in. I'm uh... spitting right now. <laughs> no one listens. No one listens to look, me till I'm look, right. I will. I will like, give oh, you this. I will give you this. Oscar obviously is known for his his knowledge and, and statistics, but the man also has an eye for the game because you called it out. Like in the first 15 minutes of the game that we were watching it together, you go, if, if Wolf moves Dominguez inverted or even a little more central than that, then that's going to unlock the game. And that's exactly what happened. And I think that's why it's so important for Austin to figure out how to deal with this space behind the left wing back, because essentially, um, Austin operate with width up front, right? They spread the defense wide, so they give the more creative players space um, to exploit. And I think having that left wing back uh, higher up the pitch really allows Dominguez to cut inside a little more and find those pockets of space where he can, you know, work his magic. Um, so yeah, I think uh, it's very important for for Austin to figure out this left wing back situation because for two weeks now we've seen teams. Um, exploit that space a lot and that's really from where most most of the danger is coming from it'll be interesting to see what they how they continue progressing mm-hmm. as a team i'm yep. sure the way they're playing now will not be the way they play in five to ten games um but the question let me mm-hmm. pose it again go ahead do you see them as a playoff team and Regardless of your answer, mm-hmm. do they need to fill their DP slot in okay. the next few games? Okay, so I do, and I have a little spiel about that and what players can be key, but I'll give it after my my answer here. But um, yeah, they, I think definitely 
especially now with the whole Pochettino situation, I, I think they do need to fill in that that spot. I think bringing in a player that can also provide, uh, maybe they look at their center backs. I'm not sure what they're going to look for, but it's just someone that can provide uh, quality on the pitch is something that I think can really help this Austin FC team. Well, re- really any team in general, but specifically talking about Austin here. With if if Wolf puts Dominguez at striker, mm-hmm. what what role do you think needs to be filled to the DP? Do you still think they should have a, a second option up front, or are you thinking another man in the middle? Because I mean, they just picked up someone else mm-hmm. on loan from I believe Portland, if I'm not mistaken. So what 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 role are you thinking? I'm not too sure because the way I'm watching the games, it seems like their biggest issue, again, is coming back to that left wing back spot. It could be a system problem, of course, but it could also be center back personnel. That could also be the problem that they don't have a player that can cover that space well um, and kind of, I guess, command uh the defense because it was so obvious that space was was open and I, I know i sound like a broken record here talking about that space but it seemed like every time colorado got the ball they made sure barrios was there and they attacked that space um so so i don't know i i know it seems a little weird to spend your dp slot on a defender but i, I guess maybe a left wing back that knows how to play that role really well uh, maybe a center back that also knows how to cover that space. It has experience in that system. But again, I mean, like you know, spending your DP slot on a striker, as most of these, you know, kind of quote unquote top teams in the MLS have done, has worked wonders for them. So I wouldn't fault Austin FC for doing that a year. <clears throat> yeah. 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 I uh, I think they should. I think they should probably use. I think they are a playoff team. And I think they uh, do need to use their last designated uh, player slot for a striker, because I think I, I the the idea of putting Dominguez as striker is interesting, but I like him in that inverted left side role. I, I, it, it keeps him central, but I think I think just him cutting inside and playing and being on that right foot, it uh and not being so strong on the left foot i think keeping him on that left side will be uh it, it, it'll work fine if they can just get a striker because then if you if you move him to this to the striker i mean who who are you going to play at the left Kekutamane. i don't think it'll be that it'll be enough uh quality up there to be able to to be able to get to be able to get the goals that they're going to want i mean domingos will only be able to score so many you're going to need other players to be able to pick up Get some goals. I agree. Well. Mm-hmm. I think. I think, in my personal opinion, though, that they should go and invest into, um, I would say, a cam mm-hmm. that could help. Because I mean, I get what you're saying from the left wing back, where defensively, uh, it's a huge problem. Mm-hmm. But if they capitalize defensively, um, I guess it would like at least counterbalance it. Okay. But what we saw in game two. The issue was, you know, you had Hosen maybe at maybe like inside the box. Yeah. Maybe you had Stroud a little bit like on the edge, right? Mm-hmm. But you had no Cam. 
You had right. no CM, none of the existing CMs pushing into the box, mm-hmm. or at least creating a second option to at least like you know take some opportunities from outside the box as well. Mm-hmm. Um, there we have very, I would say, not defensive-minded CMs, but definitely not offensive-minded. Yeah, and I think that's the biggest room for opportunity that they have to invest in a DP slot because mm-hmm. I think they could try to fill that left wing back role uh, in a more I would say like financially um, prudent. Yeah, way. or or completely. Uh, before, sorry to cut you off here before you keep going, but or or just kind of you know completely solve that problem systematically. You know, like tactic wise. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I mean, ring. I think ring out of any player, I think he could drop back more. Yeah, and fill fill the, fill the gap you're speaking about. Mm-hmm. And I think it would actually be a benefit to have him do that because clearly he can play from the back. And I think mm-hmm. that's something that would be very beneficial. And, and quickly to point out, maybe some people that aren't, you know, as first, when we meet drop down, there's normally three phases of the game. And when we meet drop down, it's normally when out of possession or when in transition, you know, because, um, you know, during the buildup, he's kind of like the buildup and tempo maestro of Austin FC. Uh, we saw that this last game, you know, he had 33 passes in the mid, in the middle of the pitch, um, while only having 13 in Austin, started than 13 in the final third. So it's obvious that he's a player that went in possession of the ball, and specifically with Austin FC's buildup, which they rely on heavy, it's important that he's uh, in the middle of the pitch. But of course, like I pointed out earlier, I think maybe giving him some defensive instructions when out of possession or when in transition could really, you know, help solve this left wing back space that's being uh, exploited. Definitely. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And that kind of comes to the question where you ask if I see them as a playoff team and I do, and I think the key is of course they have to score goals. Um, they have to create chances, but I think the key will be Alex ring because like I said, yeah, he's, he's, Every time we watch him play, he's Austin's, again, build-up and tempo maestro. He kind of controls the game for Austin, knows how to pick out the right passes. He's also very experienced. That can help uh, the other players um, learn the system better, uh, learn their movements better and whatnot. And Yeah, I think the Finnish midfielder is going to be indispensable if Austin wants to see themselves continue to win games and also push for a playoff spot. Yeah, sure. I think him him with that. I think that he he needs to stay healthy, mm-hmm. and he if they if they are to make that playoff push because if he gets injured or if for some reason he has to step he has to step away for an extended period of time, um, I think their their playoff chances do decrease because I don't think they have. I mean, they did just sign that other midfielder from mm-hmm. uh, like you said on loan, but. To have someone fill that void of someone who, like you said, can dictate the tempo from and be that key piece from moving the ball to the mm-hmm. defense, mm-hmm. whether it be all the way forward to the forward to the midfield, um, it's it, it it'd be hard to replace. Yeah, because he he's the he's he's uh the one that gives out the most passes. I when he gets the most touches, mm-hmm. um, he's the center. He's their he's their centerpiece for everything for all this to work. Uh, how do you from, think? Mm-hmm. How like, do you think Austin cutting, fares? Cutting how do you think Austin fares if Ring has to miss a game? Because I mean, 
it's good that he's so important and he's so valuable. But if you take that piece out, do you see them even like contending or no? If for if he's out for an extended period of time, no. And I'm being I'm being honest. The only way I see it happening if they kind of revamp the entire system, I think, or have someone learn his role. But he just plays it so well, and it's such a key role. It's such a key role, especially if you're gonna rely on the buildup so heavily. Uh, I just don't see it, honestly. If if he misses an extended period of time, I think they can go maybe one to f- maybe four games, and then still maybe push for playoffs. But no, if he's out for an extended period of time, I do not. Yeah, yeah, it's fair. It's um, it's hard because if for that, you know that that like so you're saying that role he plays, it's you have to be disciplined and mm-hmm. composed. You have to know, you know, when is the right time to slow it down. You have to know the you have to have a good feeling of the game, or you know, when is it the right time to you know let's I'd, go, let's I, let's get going. Let's, let's I go, would let's argue. Quick. I would argue, and obviously some people uh, might disagree, but I think most people would agree that when you play a possession-heavy uh, style of football during the buildup, the role he plays connects so many tri- like triangles, uh, triangular passing patterns, that if you have a player that, that can't master that position well, it's almost impossible to be able to progress with the ball as well as they have done the last couple games because they're very good in the buildup regardless of issues defensively or lack of uh final third quality they've been really good in the buildup um probably one of the better teams i've seen in the mls i'd say and i think it's it's it, it you know it's carried a lot by ring and and how well he plays that role yeah it's uh it's good. It's it's amazing to see like how how much how important a position he has, and you feel like not a lot of people will realize it. Like kind of like the average viewer will know mm-hmm. how important a role he plays and how big of a role he plays because he doesn't get the goals, and um, you know he won't he won't be up there you know on the attack. But he's gonna be, he's that piece that. You know, he's that person that, you know, will, he's going to be right there connecting the defense to the midfield. But mm-hmm. when the attack is up there, you know, they're try, they're moving the ball around from side to side. It'll come through him sometimes. But if they're, if there's the, when it comes to those instances where there will be a counterattack, he's back there with those two center backs trying mm-hmm. to, you know, giving instructions, telling like, you cover here, you cover, you know, you cover wide, I'll cover center, you know, go here. And he's making sure he's, that's why he's the captain. You know, mm-hmm. they they gave him the captain arms band for a re, for the reason for a reason mm-hmm. because he's a leader. He knows how to lead the team. He knows yeah. how to bring those. He's gonna he's he was given the job to bring those guys together because they knew how good of a player he was when he played for New York City. Mm-hmm. So I I think I think uh, I think he's gonna he will be like and I think we oh I know Silvio can agree with this. I know Oscar you agree with, this, but he's gonna be the main key to them making the playoffs mm-hmm. so definitely definitely one of and before we move on here uh quickly guys do you guys have anything else to add on austin fc's performance uh this past weekend all i know is it's gonna be two wins one loss after next weekend <laughs> <laughs> oscar i i the only thing i hope to see next weekend is a 
more conservative team on the press, but a more aggressive team when it comes to playing down the down the wing, like Sylvia has mentioned. Uh, it'd be great to see Dominguez play uh, more inverted, at least until a better player or or a, a second option is found to mm-hmm. play the number nine because Hosen just wasn't uh, very um, involved throughout the game. Fair points, fair points, guys. All right, moving on to the Dynamo, and unfortunately, their disappointing 2-1 loss against a Portland side that did well to suppress Houston's dynamic forwards and what we saw from them uh, or what we saw them do in week one. Oscar? Hold on, let me let me put on my hat, you know, my Houston <laughs> Astros hat. Put it backwards like like oh Ash from Pokemon. God. Let's let's get started. Okay. Let me go. start by saying this. The go game ahead. can be broken down into two words for Tau problems. You know, if I was his little mm-hmm. analyst with an Excel sheet, this mm-hmm. is what the cells would say. Defense and adaptation. Let's start with defense. <laughs> this man really started out saying defenses wins championships. I love it. <laughs> D- defense is offense. Um, a big C. Melina fan. Uh, you know, uh, no, he's my pep. He's my pep. <laughs> he's my pep. Uh, yeah. Oh, my God. A, the man fair, with the little fair. black suit is like fair. pep with a turtleneck for you. I'm sorry. Fair. <laughs> okay, but going back to defense. Okay. The issue is not only... Okay, well, starting with Houston's defense. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They have resolved the issue about the the counters that they were giving up last year, which I believe was like 16% uh, league high. They, they were getting caught off too much. That was resolved in, in three ways, I would say. Adam, the, the left back, has been uh, very solid, even when he pushes up. Mm-hmm. Oscar Bonilla-Garcia, I think, has been the greatest tactical change of the MLS season. Best or, thing, or best think, thing since sliced bread. Just say it. Just say it with your chest. Best thing since <laughs> I, Tom Bravo should get a promotion for making that fine. And I find it funny because like, if you go on Reddit and stuff, it, like people are 50, 50, they're mm. saying like Oscar isn't like doing bad, but he's not doing great. And I would, I no, mean, no. I'm not saying the mm. man is the next Puyol, you know, but um when you compare to where they were last year exactly he is like giving the team what they need Mm -hmm. when you pair him with parker mm -hmm. even better what were you saying no i i was gonna say that yeah it seems like dropping garcia in that role has fixed a lot i'd say a good amount of the problems that they had last year defensively obviously there's still a lot of room for improvement but by just a personnel change uh, systematically, it, it has seemed to you know cover a lot of a lot of holes in that defense. Yeah, and then when you when you look at the 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 errors or the or the flaws you can find within the defense, I mm-hmm. think short term they might be hard to fix, but long term, I think they the team can certainly adapt. There's just mental lapses. They're not even like tactical mistakes. They're not like like poor technique they're not getting caught off the counter anymore it's just one player isn't tracking back when he should Mm -hmm. you know what i mean uh and i think once the team gets a little bit more familiar with themselves if todd ramos does the right things uh during training it could be resolved but if it's not resolved there's no difference whether the goal came from a counter 
or from uh, a CM just not paying attention and not tracking his player, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's just as dangerous, but I, I would say a lot more fixable in the middle of a season. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was, we were watching the game. I mean, we watched all the games together on Saturday. Um, but yeah, that seemed to be uh, uh, defensively, I guess. It, it just seemed like, like moments where they, they just didn't have the concentration or, Maybe they forgot their uh, instruction or what their assignment was. Uh, but even on on the game winner for Portland, we saw Vera jogging behind presumably who he should be marking or the area he, he should be covering. And he was like, what, a couple meters behind him? Like not even that far. And he was just like strolling, you know? It, it's just these moments that uh, maybe it didn't seem like an opportunity that was going to end up in goal, but you still you still have to... Uh, defend that space like my jv soccer coach would say soft <laughs> coach broussard i hope you're out there love you it just you know it, yeah and quickly it, it, and it's a little frustrating especially for dynamo fans because i i thought speaking um here in general terms and big picture for the game i couldn't really tell the difference in terms of quality between this, you know, Portland side that are always considered in the running for, uh, for, for the cup and dynamo. And I think that speaks to a lot of what Todd Ramos has been able to do with this team and have them play. But again, there's all, there's these mental lapses in some of the players. And at the end of the day, that's going to make moments. It's going to make the difference in moments. Like we saw in Portland game, almost both their goals were, uh, were just these lapses of, of concentration from the Dynamo side. Javi, you were saying something? Yeah, Oscar, I had a question for you. Um, um, was more of like what uh, what your opinion on what your opinion was. Um, I when I was watching the game, I saw less rotating movement from the wingers. You remember in the first game yes. where we were talking about how they would flip sides and they were flipping sides mm-hmm. constantly. My theory is they didn't do it as much this game because Portland kind of they their their defensive line was a little they they were back. They backed up a little bit. They kind of were exactly. letting Houston come. Is that what you think as well? Exactly. If you look at the heat map for Portland you see two anchor points where the right center back and the left center back should be. Something that was not at all uh, visible again when you looked at the, at the San Jose heat map. And, and then that does two things. One, Pasher and Pika, like they can't just like go for the long ball. Not, I don't even want to call the long ball. Like the quick build up mm-hmm. play that could afford the team to be that dynamic and switch things up that much. When you have a team and the way Tal Bramos attempted to like remedy that deep back line was to just try to, you know, play short passes in their final third. Um, their passes in the final third increased by 14% game over game when you compare it when you compare San Jose versus Portland. But they're just not as efficient, even without taking the dynamics, right? Like they're moving from left from side to side, no more Rodriguez pushing up or Rudy p- dropping deep being that fluid 
Um, they were pretty stagnant when you looked at them play. And I don't think the Dynamo offensively at this point is a team that has the ability to adapt on a game-by-game basis. If they do want to win, they need to do that. But Because clearly, teams are willing to give them the ball. Mm -hmm. To give you all some context, passes, okay, just general touches, right? Mm -hmm. Just any touches on the ball, anywhere on the pitch. Dynamo is near the bottom. They're 20th out of 27 teams, right? You would Mm -hmm. say that's bad. I would say it's good. They don't need the ball to be lethal. Mm-hmm. And honestly, they don't have a team that's going to have you, you play to your uh, strengths. FC you, Dallas quality. Right. You, you, you know play, what I mean? You play, you play to your strengths. And that's exactly, exactly. what Ramos is doing. Exactly. But they have the passes where they matter. If you look now at passes in the final third, uh, where, in my opinion, is where you're going to see the most value for everything, right? They are number seven in the league. Uh, and they're significantly higher than Austin FC and FC Dallas. And the only teams that really beat it is LAFC, uh, New York City FC, Toronto, which are those like title contenders right. that, that have the last rank so hot. Yeah, I was going to say that those are exactly the teams that, that you're naming right now. The issue there is, they're, they're like, and, and then I think the first two games really give a glimpse of that. Mm-hmm. In the first game, they had even less touches. They had like below 300 touches. But because the San Jose defense pushed up so deep, it allowed the wingers and and then the kind of like the cam, which is Rodriguez, to be really fluid and be really quick on the counter, catch them off guard. And they didn't really need any more touches. But against a team that drops back, like Portland, not even drops back, but just had like a deeper back line, went off possession and transitioned pretty quickly. Uh, they, they weren't able to go up as quickly. They, they were forced to just recycle the ball in the final third. And I think mm-hmm. that's where Tab Ramos needs to come in and put a secondary system. It's like, what do we do yeah. when we can't just like, you know, like play rock and roll football? Right. When you know? we don't, when we, when you don't have space to exploit with your pace, when you need uh, to create something through the player's movements. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I, I think the solution to that, in my opinion, is once we get Quintero back, he could have placed Uruti. I think Uruti against a team like San Jose is more than fine. Mm-hmm. And I would actually say I would prefer him because of the qualities he can have as a target man compared to Quintero. Yep. But against a team like Portland that I would say is more not astute, but more uh, technically adapt and tactically adapt to different situations, right. I think Quintero would bring... Uh, a lot more flair to the game yes. and might be able to like play in the half spaces mm-hmm. uh, like we saw FC Dallas play in like the first t- 20 minutes of their game. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And speaking about uh, their forwards, I kind of want to uh, point out here again how impressive Pasher was. Now, first, I want to say, can't, I want to I want to nickname him Monty Ball. Oscar, what do you think about that? <laughs> Uh, the, if you look at if you look at his career, you know, like it's impressive how little like I would say top flight experience he has, and how quickly he came into the Dynamo, and I think has become, in my opinion, the second most important player, only behind Nemo Rodriguez. And there's some bias there for me. And qu- and quickly speaking of, I think maybe you can mold a player like Pasher to be able 
to show off his quality, especially when a team is, is um you know, uh, they set up their block as deep. But again, despite him being very impressive uh, the first two games of the season, I think there's still a little room to work with him, especially in terms of, uh, you know, converting his chances because he did have a couple big opportunities and I think he had one to tie up the game. And it just didn't it just didn't end up even though he did really well to get into that position. It just didn't happen for him. I'll be honest with you. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's going to happen. You don't. think? I think they I think he's already overachieving Mm -hmm. expectations. Mm -hmm. And at best, I hope he maintains what he's currently doing. Mm. I think someone else is going to have to step up Mm -hmm. and be the target man. Mm hmm. I think Pasher is better suited for a role as a setup man okay. than someone you're going to expect to finish. I mean, yeah. obviously, like I agree with your point that it'd be great if he does it. No, yeah. I just think obviously. we need to be a little bit more. Well, not us. I think Tab Ramos needs to be a little bit more realistic in his expectations right. for Pasher. Mm-hmm. But I think he's a, uh, in my opinion, at this point, the clear starter. I don't think I would start yeah. anyone over. Him. And like you said, maybe this comes down to maybe him not having as much experience in this top flight league and the more games he plays in the you know because this there is another side to this right the player side the professional side and and mentally the more you get comfortable in these types of games with this type of uh quality opposition the more comfortable he'll get and he'll be like he'll he'll just learn how to uh be a little more composed in those situations definitely Mm -hmm. i think Though I think the only thing that can really stop the dynamo is individual play, and in the way I say it is uh, more in like in a collectivist view, where this team does not have Cecilia Dominguez, mm-hmm. this team does not have Ahara or 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 mm-hmm. The day Memo Rodriguez didn't play well, like against Portland, mm-hmm. um, a lot of that flair was gone because Pasher could only do so much, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think that's going to be the hardest thing for the Dynamo going forward. How do you get all players to perform at their best every game? And the day one of them isn't performing, how do you adapt and fill in that yeah. hole, and fill in that gap? You know, he's yeah. like, I don't think they did that. Memo was having a bad game. Yeah, he yeah he kind Pasher of got... continued his streak, mm-hmm. but who came, who stepped up? Right, I don't think anyone did. Right, right. That's that's definitely a fair point. Yeah, Memo was. Uh, I I really should have gone back and rewatched the game because I I really couldn't tell if he was just having an off game or Portland found a way kind of how to neutralize his threat. Um, you know, with those two pivots defensively. Uh, but yeah, I think if we saw the regular Memo and uh, as much as he produces in the final third, it, it could have been a different game uh, for the Dynamo. I think. I think the answer to that mm-hmm. is it, I don't know if it was rhetorical or not. No, no, you can go but ahead. come when you compare the 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 the, the there's a, like a map for his touches, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. He had nothing in front of the box. He had nothing. It, they forced him either to play on the uh, wing, yeah. where he, I would say he's less lethal because we need him attacking the space right in front of the goal, right? Uh-huh. Or it was straight up in the mid third and back third, right? Mm-hmm. And I think there's there's a lot of credit to that in Portland, but again, uh-huh. if you want to win, you need to adapt. Yes. And if they're marking 
Rodriguez basically where they're forcing him to either the left or the right of the field. Mm-hmm. Someone else is going to have that opening or going to have that space to take advantage of it. Mm-hmm. And I don't think anyone really stepped up because Vera, I don't want to say he was like super far back. Right. Mm-hmm. But he also wasn't, he also wasn't as um, progressive yeah. as, as I would like him to be. Mm-hmm. When you look at Corona, he was the most, I guess, offensive CM we saw. Mm-hmm. But again, they, they, I just, I don't even think I have an answer to it, but they, they clearly need to work and trying to overload the box like they did with San Jose. Yeah. And you know, and, and maybe, I don't know if you noticed this, uh, this is kind of a question for you. I don't know if, if the two Portland pivots, uh, what their heat map looks like, cause it could have just literally set up in front of the goal. And that was what they were there. That's what they were instructed to do. Anything especially when it came to memo if anyone had the ball there you press and you press with two men and you just don't let them uh you just suffocate the space out of the middle forcing creative players to go wide like you said that's exactly what happened the pivots chara and paredes stayed um right below the mid dirt the whole game Mm -hmm. you rarely saw them push up um but i think that's where the i would say more of the individual quality has to come in you know that's true if you're on a one on if you're on a one on one, the advantage is always going to be on the attacker. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. And if you do it quick enough and with enough tempo, it shouldn't be a problem. I, I just think agree. they were too res- they were too respectful. Yeah. Of Portland's back yeah. back line and, and and pivots. And quickly to point, you see this a lot in Europe. The whole game plan for a lot of managers is get their best player that has that quality to take on defenders in one in one-on-one situations. That's exactly where most of, or a lot of European uh, teams try to get their, uh, their chances in the final third. Exactly. I mean, I have a lot of hope that they'll improve it. Yeah. I think now moving, looking into the next week, right? Cause we're playing LAFC. Yep. I think that'll be not only just because obviously LAFC is, I guess tied to be the best team mm-hmm. uh, by almost everyone. Yeah, but I think they're the team that plays to Houston's weaknesses the most. If mm-hmm. Tab Ramos takes Oscar Garcia out of center back, like some people want him to, I mm-hmm. think it'll be an easy win for LAFC. Mm-hmm. They're gonna need someone that can like work under pressure, really, because LAFC is gonna work them hard. Yeah, yeah. Another thing. Mm-hmm. If you compare it to like more like towards the Austin FC game, Austin mm-hmm. LAFC game, um, they were so solid in the back yeah. that I think this is the time where Tal Ramos is going to have to experiment. I think Pasher is a definite starter, but whether Aruti and Pika will start, I think it's time to change it up a bit because clearly if Portland was able to pivot so quickly and adapt their team to the like high tempo, right. uh, high press. Um, they're going to need to surprise him a little bit. I yeah. think the opportunity comes with Quintero. Mm-hmm. That's true. And I, I would personally have him drop deep, look for the ball, and play those one-twos with Memo so they can't just put like two pivots in the middle and, and like no one, like no way to go around. Them. You know what I mean? On yeah. One by one. Clearly, I, they weren't able to do that. Because of their defensive, defensive woes, I don't think... And this is a, this is kind of skipping to a, a preview of next week, but quickly before we move on, 
I don't think that the best interest for the Dynamo from what we've seen in the first two games is for them to take control of the game with the ball. I think they're Not they're better off to control the game out of possession and hold their shape and really use their their, their pace and and how dynamic they are up front to catch LAFC's uh, defensive line out of position. Exactly. The way I envision it is you have Pasher and Pico. You have that four in the four like attackers like you had against San Jose, right? Mm-hmm. But against San Jose, if you recall, you had Memo kind of be like the player that attacked the space or Rudy Moore as a target man, right? Mm-hmm. I think this game is better suited to have Quintero and Rodriguez playing that same role, pushing up and then having either Pasher or Pico like kind of more inverted and be and serve as that outlet for like maybe like a one-two pass mm-hmm. or, or like a quick through ball. I think that that would be the best situation given how LAFC plays, given how quickly they press, and the only ones I really trust to be able to dribble out of pressure are Quintero and Rodriguez and, and Pasher on a regular basis. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I'm super. This is probably uh, this upcoming. Uh, week especially dynamo versus lafc is probably the game i'm looking forward to the most uh out of the texas teams javi quickly before we move on to fc dallas do you have anything to add on los dynamo i just know that dynamo it's gonna be a tough week for them this week when they play yeah dude i'm excited Um, that's gonna be such a good game but I, I I don't think they need to hang their head too much on this loss. I was mm-hmm. telling this to you, Silvio, earlier. Um, mm-hmm. I think there were a lot of... Th- there were times where, where both teams didn't look like they deserved to win. Mm-hmm. Like, they were both making mistakes. Mm-hmm. And I don't think this this game, even though how... how Poor, uh, I thought Houston play. I think Portland also played kind of poor as well. They were. It was just. It was just a. I I I don't think I don't think Houston needs to panic from this loss yet. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, we we saw the there we kind of saw a poor performance from Rodriguez, um, and maybe they need to kind of figure out okay where 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 is it that that if. If this game, if a team's attack us like this again, and they kind of try to take away Rodriguez, who's going to be that next person, you know, to step up for us? And I think if they can figure it out, and whether it comes in the form of, um, oh God, who's you just said him, Oscar, the uh, Quintero, yeah, mm-hmm. whether it's in the form of Quintero, or whether it's in, or whether it comes from the wing play from Pasture and uh, Fafa. Yeah. Is that how you pronounce the name? Fafa? Yeah, Fafa. Or, yeah, I call him Fafa. Um, I think that's what he has on his jersey, Fafa. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I know it's yes, called, but I know it says Fafa. But yeah, um, but yeah, I, I, I don't think Houston needs to panic yet. Um, this, no. The, no. The, the game will be tough this week, um, mm-hmm. but I think it, it, it'll, it'll give them, it'll give Tab Ramos a good um, test to see. Okay, like Oscar said, maybe we should try experimenting playing you know a little different way where let them have the ball let us kind of control it from out of possession let mm-hmm. us just sit back a little bit maybe we can maybe we're better off the counter where we can hit them with quick one twos and catch their defense yeah. you know because they'll be pressing so high maybe we can work 
we can use that space behind the defense and use our pace to get past them. So, but yeah, I, I don't think Houston should should panic yet. Yeah. Question Jeff, for you, Harvey. Mm-hmm. Yes. How do we how do we get you back as a Houston Dynamo fan? <laughs> I'm what not, do we I'm have not, to do? It's not, it's not that I'm not a Houston Dynamo uh, fan. He's just more I mean, of an Austin I, FC fan. <laughs> yeah, I mean... How, how with, do we with, get you with, back in with, orange colors? With, when Austin and Houston play each other, I mean... Oh, yeah, what, what are you rooting hey, for all, then? All I know is... All I know is... Because I have an Austin FC jersey and I don't have a Dynamo jersey, Ooh, so that hurts. That you hurts. know, Brian yes. Ching is very hurt by your statements right now. Hey, I went. Javi, <laughs> this city built. I, I was man. there when Come they on. went back to back on MLS. Javi <laughs> uh, no, actually no, he doesn't I, live in, in the streets of Houston. You know what I mean? Come on, stop, dude. No, Come on, don't put that in. <laughs> no, I know it was. It's a. No, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a Dynamo fan. It's just and when, when, when Austin and Dynamo play each other, you're going to see me in the green jersey. Okay. <laughs> look, uh, before we move on, <laughs> look, before we move on, I think it's, it's a good sign for Dynamo fans that we're even talking about this game against LAFC uh, as them having a chance to win it. I, I don't think anyone would have expected that coming into the season. So that's always a good thing. Last question for both of you. Uh-huh. Now that you mentioned that, uh-huh. do you think their power ranking is underrating them? I believe 24 out of 27 teams. I definitely think they're underrated. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, look, I get that it's only two games in the season, but still, I think it's still underrated for sure. Yeah, I think it's a little underrated. They've shown, I mean, they've that, shown that, a lot these two games. They've shown a lot. More, more to get that, what they were given. Yeah, it's... I mean, I get, yeah, like you said, the people who are making these power rankings only have to work with two games, so they got to see what they see, but obviously they're not, you know, they're not looking at, they're probably not looking at it as in-depth as mm-hmm. we are in the mm-hmm. game, so they don't kind mm-hmm. of, maybe they don't see the potential that there is for mm-hmm. Dynamo, yeah. but um, no, yeah, I think they are um, a little underrated. They'll be, they'll be, they'll, they'll be somewhere where uh, Austin FC is below them, I think, below them in the power ranking, but by the end of the season, they'll be, they'll be there mid-table. Yeah. delusional but all right let's move on to <laughs> all right let's move on to fc dallas here the last team we're covering in this episode and quickly before we start most importantly a little luchi fit update definitely not up to par uh with his opening day fit. man his his first fit was just he just set the bar too high i think he just brings like the fire the fire fits uh home games only home games only yeah i mean you know you can't bring your whole closet so <laughs> to yeah. san jose you know you gotta give cut him some slack you know he he it was clean i give yeah. it a six out of ten yeah yeah that's fair six out of ten six out of ten for me so fc dallas traveled to san jose unfortunately lucci's cardigan didn't give him much luck and they fell to the earthquake three to one in a game that really was not much better than the first one in terms of performance for for Lucci's side. And really, the 17-year-old Cade Cowell outshined everyone with that keen through-ball assist and a goal that left, quite frankly, left Dallas defenders in the mud. Um, and like Oscar wrote um, in the match coverage, uh, Dallas's performance pretty much summed up as one mistake after another, you know, um, I think we were talking about this Javi and during the game Oscar, the first few minutes of the match looked super promising for Dallas. 
they pressed San Jose out of the game basically during their buildup out of the back. They were able to recover the ball in these dangerous areas. But again, the Dallas forwards, specifically O'Brien, could not get his finishing sorted. And really, this lack of composure kind of carried throughout the match. And quickly, you know, we saw, and not just in terms of, I guess, finishing, because we saw O'Brien make that careless tackle in his own box, which gave San Jose that penalty. And of course, Jamie Maurer always stepping up for Dallas. What 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 did I tweet? I forgot. I think I tweeted something like Jimmy Maurer equals wall or something. Um, and Maurer yeah. we trust. And Maurer we trust exactly. And yeah, he he saved it, uh, but unfortunately he had to be subbed off uh, with a shoulder injury. I think in the second half. Um, but anyways, right after him saving that penalty, a few minutes later we saw Tanner Tessman, one of Dallas's homegrown prospects. Uh, who started this game, I, I think a bit of a surprise for, for most Dallas fans, over DP Andres Ucuarte. And um, yeah, he gave up a penalty. You know, he blocked a shot with an outstretched arm uh, that VAR deemed a penalty, I think. I think they went through a, a VAR review. But anyways, uh, that was converted, converted Excuse me, by San Jose. And, you know, from there on, it was basically uh, the Kate Cowell show, right, uh, Oscar? Cowell is the most impressive young player in the league. You mean no Bradley Uppercrust the third? Explain it. Explain it for the listeners. So quickly, um, I, I think his name's Tom Bogart. I hope I'm. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Um, you know, he's a he's an an MLS uh, journalist. Yeah, he writes a lot of articles on the MLS, and he and we follow him on Twitter. And he, I think he tweeted something saying like, uh, Cowell looks like a." Uh, like a Disney villain that that's into like competitive rollerblading in California. And I'm like, that's literally <laughs> upper crust the third. That's literally who it is, you know, from I think a goofy movie or a goofy movie two or something. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, but anyways, back to, back to the football. And if y'all ever wonder, if y'all ever wonder what we do during these matches, this is exactly <laughs> this what is we exactly we just on. we like just look at Make Twitter comparisons. and try to meme. <laughs> yeah, we just meme. That's all we do. But um, I guess on a you give Silvio a like, you feed him for a day. <laughs> exactly. I guess on a on a more serious note here, I think the problem for Dallas this game was simply put systematically Everything. just yeah putting and, and putting the mistakes aside is. Something that we touched on in the preview for this match. The way Lucci wants his team to play, I don't think, and I think, I think Austin kind of has the same problem. More so Dallas, though. It just won't work with their current back three player profile. They just leave too many gaps for teams to exploit. And for example, when you look at Dallas's average player position in the game against uh, San Jose, we see center backs Hedges and Bresson. They were like playing right on top of each other. And like literally right on top of each other. And they left Martinez completely isolated. And San Jose attacked that side 42% of the time. And when talking about a back three system, you need center backs to be able to cover some of the space that are that is left vacant by wing backs uh, pushed up higher in the pitch. And without with having basically two center backs playing on top of each other, you can't spread the space evenly with uh with the center backs. And I think this is the main reason why Dallas is so poor against counterattacks. 
Um, the same issue they had against Colorado. Uh, but it just so happens that San Jose's finishing through Cowell was much more clinical. Um, and on paper, I like Lucci's vision of utilizing with with uh, wingbacks to give his quick forwards like O'Brien, Fargus, and uh, even Pepe space to run in between defenders. It's just that the plan has not been executed well at all uh, these first two weeks. I have I have some thoughts for you, mm-hmm. and you let me know what you think. Go ahead. And I'm I'm gonna make the most wild comparison. No, go ahead. That go I'm ahead. gonna get fired. That's for. that's that's why we that's what we make the pod. Let's let's look at Barcelona in their game against Villarreal. Exact same <laughs> system, Silvio. Yeah, exact yeah, yeah. No, same. For, system. No, yes, definitely. And I'm not even gonna focus on the fact that one team has Messi and the other one doesn't. Yeah, you take qual- quality be. quality out of the equation. Completely. Quality aside, I think Luigi can make slight tweaks to how their his back five play to make the team a lot more. I would say not only lethal, mm-hmm. but also a lot more uh, intense. Just to, just to even for like teams to hold them back. Mm-hmm. If you look at the way Dallas plays, you have a very compact back three, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. You have. The two wingbacks to just go straight up vertical, right? yeah. straight vertical, yeah. mm-hmm. right? And the issue when you have those wingers to stay pretty much just vertical is that the wingers, right, mm-hmm. uh, O'Brien and, and company, mm-hmm. um, they do not tuck in or invert as much as they should. Mm-hmm. I think the two CMs are fine where they are. I think Har is fine where he is. What I recommend is definitely making the the three center backs at the back play a lot more wide. If you look at Oscar for Barcelona, he's literally a like, slightly inverted right back. Yep. A slightly yep. inverted right back. You got to you got to evenly distribute the space between the center backs. And you you literally had two of them play out right on top of each other. That's so much exactly. space left for the, the you left Martinez completely isolated. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So when that like when the when the right winger goes up and then always set up by the right center back, right? Mm-hmm. You can have O'Brien or O'Brien and you can have Hara and you can have everyone else overload the box mm-hmm. and you can have someone play right outside the box. So you always have the option of, do you want to cross it in? Do you want to dribble it in? Do you want to play it back and recycle, right? Mm-hmm. But at least it's three-dimensional and you create opportunities that the, that, that aren't just so, that aren't as predictable as they have been. Now the question is, do you think, because obviously now we're going into the quality mm-hmm. realm, mm-hmm. do you think the three center backs are capable of playing wider and filling up those roles? Because the one thing they'll need to do is when they lose the ball quickly and, and in transition, they're going to need to compress a little bit mm-hmm. and those wingers are going to have to come back a lot quicker than before. Yeah. Um, to be honest, I think the wingers do have that ability. Um, looking at their player profiles, I think they do have they do have the quality to be able to play that role well. Now, have they done it? Not necessarily, but I th- I think they've shown moments where they can. Now, for the center backs, I think Martinez can play this, and I think this showed last game. I think despite him being isolated and most of the attacks being targeted at him uh, by uh, San Jose. I think he did really well, and I think that shows um, in kind of the the statistics and the results of the game and and given his rating at the end of the game. I think Martinez does 
hold that quality. Maybe it's because of the fact that he does come from like a Barca B Spanish team that was kind of raised to, you know, they mold their defenders to be able to, uh, to be able to uh, deal with space when the, when the rest of the team's pushed up higher. However, I don't know if Hedges and Bresson are the answer. Uh, I think Hedges can. I'm not too sure about Bresson, but something has to happen. Someone has to notice what's going on here because it's just way too much space uh, being would you Would you risk it and, and, and test that out next week? I would. Yeah, and I and, think. And honestly, this makes sense because um, kind of skipping ahead here a little bit, uh, but after he brought on Ricuarte, um, uh, Pepe, and I think a couple more players I can't remember off the top of my head right now, but they shifted more to a four-two-three-one, and and the attacks from San Jose seemed to stop when they went to a back four. So it's obviously here the problem was defensively, like the three, like like we've pointed out, the three could not cover that well. So uh, yeah, definitely, I think the next game you try to do something uh, to have more defenders cover chunks of space in the in the back. I'm not sure how he does it. In terms would of, you, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. go ahead. Question. So, yeah, yeah. like for example, like for Barcelona, you have Linglet yes. as like that left center back, right? Yes. You have Oscar as the right center back, which I, in my opinion, got the majority of the possession, right? So they, yes. they could you could you could obviously play the system and go through the the, the player that has, I guess, it, or is the most comfortable on the ball. Mm-hmm. But then you had PK drop back. Yes. How do you feel about this? Instead of having like the deep lying center back, right? Mm-hmm. Have Ricuarte be right in front of those two center backs. And I think that alleviates some of the concern you might have whether they could actually play the system from a technical standpoint. Because yeah. Ricuarte dropped back that first game, yeah. kind of like as a like a right center back, either yeah. way, more like or like right right back. So he could definitely or he has experience playing that type of uh, role in the team. Yeah, I, I think in terms of buildup, which maybe is what, kind of what you're pointing to, I don't, I don't think that's a problem because, like I said, they have enough quality in the midfield that can kind of, you know, drop into a more defensive role to kind of get that, get that going if they can't find space in the middle. Um, I think my, I think the way to solve this problem is find a player that resembles Martinez's quality. That has uh, that type of player profile, and maybe take out Hedges or Bresson. Honestly, I think I think that'll. Obviously, this could be a little premature. It's two. It's two games into the season, but I think it's a glaring issue that needs to be solved. And I think when one of them was brought off, I again, I'm sorry, I can't remember who it was for or who came on. I think Hedges came off for Requarte. Either Hedges or Bresson came in for Requarte. And then the team settled into a back four. The mm-hmm. the defenders were spread, you know, properly across that that uh, their own third, covering enough space. It seemed like, San. It seemed like Dallas's game there going forward. So something like that has to happen. I wouldn't be surprised if Lucci sets his team up like that to start the next game, considering uh, them still winless this season. Um, but yeah, something, something's got to happen to that back line. It's, it's getting a little out of hand at this point, I think. Next question. Mm -hmm. Um, game one, which he got flack for not starting his homegrown players. Mm -hmm. Game two, all, but all of them, I mean, Tessman, 
gave up the second penalty in a situation where I think it came down to experience. Yeah. Um, um do you do you, going forward seeing game one and game two? Do you see five homegrown players being on the field at the same time? I don't, and I'll tell you why. And I kind of wanted to address this, but I'm glad you brought it up. Um, so, like you know, you and I have seen, or Javi has seen as well, uh, Dallas fans. Or I kind of wanted to address an issue here that I've seen uh, Dallas fans talk about this uh, in social media, you know, Reddit and Twitter. And it has to do right with their unreasonable expectations of playing their youth players and expecting uh, f- expecting results from a team that fields inexperienced players. Uh, and just to be clear here, I'm not dissing any fan, and, and it's not all fans either. Uh, it's just, and some just express their hopes that Dallas can retain some of their talent throughout the years to build like a squad that can compete for a trophy. And I think that's a completely uh, reasonable, but also different topic. Um, but there are those that have expressed their frustration about about not playing their homegrown players enough and simultaneously wanting the club to produce results. I think it's almost an impossible balance to achieve, and I think very few clubs, if none, in the world have been able to do this. But let's not even go that far and to look at the rest of the world. And let's just look at this past weekend. Like you pointed out, a perfect example in the game was Tanner Tessman, who had a pretty poor performance and made a huge mistake uh, that led to a pen that San Jose capitalized on. And then after that, didn't really do much during the game. However, then you look at Pepe and he had, he had a much better game coming on as a sub. And I think that kind of shows how hard it is to get consistent performances from developing players. And if you try to field too many at once, Inconsistent performances will translate into inconsistent results. And I think Lucci is well aware of this. And when he was asked about the lack of homegrown players in the starting lineup last week in his press conference, he expressed his goal to feel the best team possible that day to get the result, which I think is the right way to go about this. Because not only are you putting the club, right? Mm-hmm setting up the club for success in terms of results, but also taking off pressure from the developing players to let them develop well. And I think that's, that's that's, that's the balance that FC Dallas need, not the balance of fielding the homegrown players and also producing results. I agree. And I agree with like Luigi's stance on it. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, you could either be an academy or you can be a winning team. Exactly. I would prefer to be a winning team. Exactly. And, and just to reiterate, I, I'm not blaming those fans that want to see them retain talent. I think that's very important, especially for a team uh, that, again, this kind of always comes up and you kind of disagree or push back a little bit, but maybe don't have the DP quality as higher as higher teams, right? And that's kind of how it's perceived. I, I think it's important. But again, that's a different discussion. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about people that want to see their testaments, their peppies, start the game and also, you know, that the team with with homegrown with basically six, seven homegrown players like win a championship. That's that's not I, I it's very unlikely that's gonna happen. 
going into that, mm-hmm. um, I do think there is value and, you know, like testing in a game by game basis, like one, yeah, maybe I mean, two yeah, I mean, home run players yeah. for, for game three. How do you feel about O'Brien starting? Cause that, that his performance game one, it was just so bad. Yeah. That I don't want to like, I don't want to say it, it's, indicative of the player's quality because clearly yeah. he still created chances yeah, he's yeah, still yeah. important yeah, yeah. but i would honestly say i would probably try to get peppy over him yeah i if, like if if, if if lucci's questioning it i would do peppy i i do like the peppy call i go peppy and i i i think you take out testman this upcoming game and you put Ricorte back in um but like I said, just keep just keep the balance, right? Not too many at once. When they're having good games, you put them in. Uh, just allow them to develop properly. Uh, I think this team can still make the playoffs. I know it's been two games, but I think they have the quality. And I think Lucci has the right idea. And, and somewhat to give a positive spin here for Dallas fans. that have, If they're still listening and haven't turned this off, I'm going to try to give them a positive <laughs> sign here. We did see them improve in some areas, to be fair. Most notably, their progression through the middle of the pitch in their season opener against Colorado. Um, they only attacked through the middle 27% of the time, but improved that uh, to 41% against San Jose. Maybe it's the way Colorado set up um, compared to San Jose, but still, that's nice to see that they can get a midfield that can progress with the ball forward. Uh uh, into into the final third. And then the most important question of all. Mm-hmm. We talked about how we think the team can improve, uh, what they need to do. Mm-hmm. What does Lucci need to do to improve the fit? You know? <laughs> What's next for the man? Uh, I'm not, you know. He needs to be able to go back home to go to his wardrobe. Yeah, he, he's definitely <laughs> going to have to go back to the draw. I'm bored with this fit. Now, to be fair, uh, you know, if if they're not night games and and summer summer's on its way, so it's gonna be hard to see him, you know, kind of get that that European style going. But uh, I don't know, maybe maybe something a little more formal next time. I I don't know. It just it just wasn't it just wasn't it just wasn't a vibe this weekend. The the cardigan was okay. Um. I don't know. It seemed too like social studies high school teacher vibe, you know? That ain't it. You're referencing too on that one. We, we all know who you're referencing. Uh, oh my god. It just it just wasn't um, it. I like I like the attempt. I, I like the I like the nod at the card again. Uh but maybe next time. I wanna see him in a three piece suit with the, like the pocket watch, you know what I mean? <laughs> The, uh, the, man, the like the scrubby beard, so literally no socks, man. but like the nice like Italian shoes. <laughs> oh my god, you like loafers, I mean? like the loafers. Yes, and I want to see him just like do like the pep stances when he's coaching. You uh, know, like on the ground screaming. Yeah, I, I really want this team. Um, I really want this team to do well because I think they're a fun team. They have quality. I like what Lucci's trying to envision. Um, the homegrown players, of course, have you know that they've shown quality. Uh, that they can build uh, uh, upon, um, but sort that defensive line, and uh, really, 
get players that can can be a little more clinical and creative in the final in the final third like we kind of saw Ricuarte do when he when they changed the system and put him in that in that role that that goal that Pepe scored consolation goal was kind of um manipulated by Ricuarte's creativity I was getting a little worried with Ricuarte not playing I'm like what is what's something we're going to talk about next week yeah but yeah, but I mean, he, it, he, you know, he came in, and uh, I think he showed he showed his quality there. Um, so hopefully, hopefully Definitely. starts, hopefully starts a uh, uh, next game. A- anything else to add, guys, uh, here on Dallas before we go ahead and end the pod? Um, I, uh, sorry, I think I have myself muted there. Uh, yeah, you know, to go on to what you were uh, saying, Sylvia, I think mm-hmm. this is a. I think this is a fun it's if they can figure out which players fit the positions and fit the role that they you know that that, that the system needs mm-hmm. for it to succeed. Mm-hmm. I think it'd be a fun team to watch because they're not playing a way that most teams play in the MLS. You yeah. know, you see the formations that most teams play, it's it's a four two three one. Where they run the you know two CDMs and then they run mm-hmm. the three, three left mid cam, right mid, and you play a striker. But with this team and with this coach, they're trying something different. They're trying to bring a new style of play here, and I think, and I th- and this is I, this is this is a, a system that we've seen, you know, work in Europe. That coaches over there, they were kind of working this three four. Three. What 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 kind of formation would y'all say it is? I th- to me, it looks like a three four two one. It could be a three four three. It depends how, I guess, how the striker's playing. But yeah, the way I look at them lined up, it runs to me. It looks like a three four two one. It's more but like either a three, way, it's they're not like playing a, that. It's like a three oh, one two three or three one five or three, three one, one, one five or something like that. Yeah, yeah. So I, either way, they're y'all y'all calling out like area. <laughs> it sounded like area codes for a hot minute there. yeah no no but no i i as but yeah all i want to say is that i just think i think if they can figure out which players you know fit the which ones are going will be right for the system that they want to play i think it's a very fun exciting team to watch and i think they could definitely be a playoff team you know as we all thought they would be in the beginning of the season yeah i think they're just trying to figure out you know who's who who's the right player for the certain positions and whatnot which is what they're doing Mm -hmm. um but yeah definitely definitely um quick before we go ahead and end the pod i kind of want to throw out a prediction i would not be surprised if we see him start a different formation maybe the same type of system based on his uh, on the philosophy we've seen the first two games but just in a different manner if i'm making sense here for sure yeah um, I was looking through the tweets they send us, Silvio, and they they want you to drive up to Dallas and cover it, uh, cover it live, <laughs> or the game in Portland. I can't right. recall, but um, they 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 the fans want you to go. So I'm gonna be honest, that's gonna be impossible at the moment because I did let my brother borrow my Jeep. <laughs> so I, I don't unless one of you guys want to take me there. I don't know if that's gonna happen. This man don't even got a car. Hey, I didn't ask. I didn't ask if you had a car. I asked if you wanted to watch the game. Exactly. I love, exactly. I, I love the attitude. I love the, the attitude. Pick you up at 6 a.m., King. 
All right. If you guys if you guys don't have anything else to add, I'm gonna go ahead. We're gonna go ahead and 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 uh and end the pod here. Any any last remarks for the fans, boys? Season tickets, Houston Dynamo. <laughs> All right. Be my seat, buddy. Hit me up. Thank you. Javi, verde, verde over orange. Is that the final Estamos remarks? Estamos listos. <laughs> All right. Anaranjado hasta la muerte. And, and with that, we're going to thank all the listeners for listening to the pod. Oscar, quickly, where can people find you on social media? OJ Aguilar 16. Perfect. Javi? Uh, Adame underscore Hav on and, uh, Twitter. Perfect. And you can find me at S Prieto JR on Twitter, of course. Make sure to follow uh, all, all of us on Twitter, really, and at the final third pod. So you guys, you know, are notified when we have articles up or other podcasts uploaded. And make sure to check out finalthirdpod.com. Make sure to rate uh, the podcast on really all platforms. I think you can rate them. That really helps us grow. And thank you guys for listening. And we will catch you all in the next one.